Pastor Craig uh, is on the executive board of directors in this house. He's uh, one of pastor's mentors. And then the, fin the final thing is that they've just been great friends. And he's been knowing them for a lot of years. So if y'all would do me a favor, just help me show him some Grace Point love to Pastor as he comes up to bring us a good word uh, this morning. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So clap your hands for him. Wow, you guys are some amazing folks. And Sammy, that's the f you're one of the few people that gets Sharice's name right. She gets called Sherry, Sh Cherry, <laughs> Teresa. She gets called a lot of things, and I mostly just call her darling, so I get it straight every time. <laughs> she is an amazing woman. And, uh, you know, if I wouldn't be able to be here today if we hadn't had 37 almost 38 years of wedded bliss. And you think I'm being all romantic about that. I wouldn't be able to be here today because she doesn't believe in divorce. She believes in murder. But aside from the fear factor... I have enjoyed every year of it. And we just celebrated 38 years since we got formally engaged. We got engaged on Valentine's Day, 1975. Now some of you guys didn't even know there was a 1975, did you? You're looking forward to 2075, and so am I. That's going to be so cool to be there. And... I want you to know today that I love Pastor Richard and Donna. You guys are so amazingly blessed to have the right people at the right time. We were, we've been friends with Pastor Jimmy and Annette for a long time. And it's, it's tempting to say, well, to compare people. There's, there's not. But when you have the right person at the right time. Yeah. And it's just time. And these, these folks, it's their time. And from being on the board of directors of this church, I can tell you, they're doing an amazing job. They love you. And you are blessed to be a part of this team. And today it's an, it's an opportunity to talk about love as humble because these guys are humble servants. They're amazing. And, and nobody will be really an effective leader unless they learn that. I've struggled through most of my life not understanding humility. And how many of you understand that when you get beat up by something that you don't understand, you begin to understand it better? Just for example, I went to music school when I was in college back in the... That's when we either walked or rode our dinosaur to school. You've, you've seen Fred Flintstone do that trick. Well, I, 
back in 1972, I graduated from high school, went to college, and I was, through several circumstances, I ended up with a music degree. And through that, and I was a vocal major and um, music theory. And to give you an idea of how really good I was is that music theory was the first class I ever made a D in. (laughs) My major. And it wasn't the last, okay? So, So there is life after D. Now, I'm not encouraging you college folks to go for that. It's just you can get over it. It, You can survive it. And my voice teacher said that you really don't have a future in this, but I can teach you how to be a good teacher. (laughs) And so by the end, I, I got to where I was decent at this singing thing. I could match pitch. I could do a lot of things that I couldn't do before, but just in the very process of learning to do something that was difficult. I learned how to be a teacher of that. And I learned how to make other people successful. So it wasn't about my fame anymore. It was about me taking a room full of junior high students and making them successful. And after a few years, I got to where my and it was the awesome thing about it, it was the years that my daughter was in my choir, and we got to take it to all the way to sweepstakes-level choirs and, and award-winning choirs during that time. And it was amazing how my weakness turned into a strength for other people. And you'll find that that is the key to life, that there are so many things when you think you're going through the worst time ever in your life. You're going through the time that God is going to use the most in your life. Yesterday, um, now my my day job, I'm a teacher. It's wherever I am, I'm kind of a teacher. When I was a pastor, I was teaching. When I was selling computers, I was teaching people how to use computers. I'm just, that's me, I'm an incurable teacher. (laughs) And I'm a race director in my hobby job. I've put on 5Ks, 10Ks, and runs, and triathlons, and so I'm a race director. Yesterday, we were doing the run to love and love to run. And one of the ladies that showed up to help is going through a situation. Her husband's dying of cancer, and she came out to help us. And I think they're in their 70s. And she came out to help pass out T-shirts and to help with people there. She says, I just love to help. And she said those very words to me. She said, you know, it's not the mountaintops where we learn. It's not the mountaintops where we grow. It's the valleys that we grow in. So I want to encourage you to always embrace the valleys. It's very fresh in my mind right now because I have a former student that committed suicide Tuesday. He was going through a valley. Amazing young man. Had, had gone to state as a, in the 100-meter dash and as a cross-country runner. He could, he could run fast. He could run long. He was an amazing athlete and a great young man. But somehow he just couldn't see past 
the disappointment in his life. I want to encourage you to always see past the disappointment in your life. Because that is where God builds things in your life that are going to be used forever. Would you grab your Bible, if you will? I I know I didn't give them all the scriptures that I have because I was busy running around the state park helping people run a race yesterday. And so I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. And I want to ask you with what the Word says. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Two of you. Understand there's some encouragement from belonging to Christ. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? I I can tell you something. Listen to the old guy this morning. There is some encouragement from belonging to Christ. Is there any comfort from his love? Uh, Yeah, this is interactive today. It's okay. I'm not going to get upset if you shout me down. I'm going to be okay with it. Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Yes, there is, and you guys are great with that. Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? You don't all have to say yes, because I know it's not true with some of us. (laughs) My wife is tender and sympathetic. (laughs) But since we're one, yes, I can be temper. Yeah, I'm temper. (laughs) She's tender and sympathetic. I'm temper and whatever that other word turns out to be. I'm not a... I'm not going to go there. I might come out with something that just doesn't work in church. But there's value in that. Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? And I know some of you, they are. The rest of you are kind of like me. You're just kind of all up in there. Except I will have to tell you, My wife is tender and sympathetic, unless you wake her up. It's okay, Miss Donna. Our children, who are 33, 30, and 26, soon to be 27 now, learned early on not to come to mommy's side of the bed. (laughs) Ever seen those movies where somebody really sweet turns into like... These big teeth and all. <laughs> Mommy was kind of that way. If you wake her up in the middle of the night, it's sound sleep. It's like, oh, what are you doing? So the first couple of times they were big enough to get up and come into the room and say, Mommy. Took about twice, and then they were coming to the other side of the bed going, Dad, <laughs> Dad, shh, Dad. <laughs> you guys still love me? <laughs> Just so you know us a little bit. I was. <laughs> Are there any of those things? Then, then the apostle says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. Now, I want to share with you some about what I've learned about humility. 
because I thought for so long that I was working so hard at being wise and making great decisions and doing the right things. And in all of that, I was blindsided by pride. You see, I didn't think I was proud. I just thought I was the smartest person I knew. <laughs> That'll sink in for some of you in a minute. It's... And sometimes I would like the fact that I disagreed with somebody get in the way of our relationship. And I'll put to you that when you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, you're really not going to be divided from others on the basis of what you believe about God. You'll be a, you can agree to disagree. You can disagree without being disagreeable. You can do a lot of things. But the Holy Spirit has called us to love and not to separation. And I've learned that lesson so many hard ways in my life. But I want to encourage you to, to be humble. Some of you are so good at that automatically. But today I want to come into this and give you a little bit of um, just hopefully benefit of my experience and learn from your experience. And we will come to a place... The apostle then says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. And oh my goodness. I don't know how I missed that for so many years. I read that scripture over and over so many times. And it was amazing how I missed it. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. We'll come back to that in a minute. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Now, this is out of New Living Translation, if you have that, and it might help keep everybody on the same, but it's, uh, we'll work, work with it. Okay, we're going to come back to Philippians 2.5 in just a minute and talk about all of that. But I want you to, to speak to yourself now about the encouragement that's in Christ. About the comfort for, of his love, of his relationship, of being in relationship with him. I listened this last week to Pastor Richard's message. Love is action. And after about, we've known you guys 10 years, 11 years somewhere in that range and I learned something I didn't know I didn't know about his past and his foster parents died I mean it's not it's not enough you're in a foster home then both foster parents die just boom boom and you're on your own more or less but somebody came in and he, his message last week love is action if you didn't if you missed it last week please go back and listen to it I was in tears I was touched by love is action. Wow. You can learn something from that. I was, 
I was moved last week how God changed his life through someone else's action. And that's what it gets to be with us. This week, love is humble. And I'm here because Pastor Richard just went, hey, can you come preach on the, what's today, 17th? Can you come preach on the 17th? And I'm going to say, yeah. Because it's been five years since I've pastored. And any time I get the opportunity to come and be with you guys especially, I'm going to do it if there's any way possible. But I want to share with you a little bit about what humility is and what humility is not. I'm very good at what it's not. Pride is the opposite of humility. And So I want to talk a little bit about humility and a little bit about pride and how to recognize it and so that we walk in what is real, true humility. Because many in the church today think of humility as something that is, um, I've got to think that I'm wormy, germy, and bad. You know, have you ever, Lord, I'm just a worm. Lord, we're not worthy of your notice. Do you know that that does not come from the Bible? That comes from Greek philosophers, Plato in particular. That the flesh, the world, the matter that this world is made of is so dirty that it has to be far removed from who God is because God is holy and he can't really stand us dirty, nasty folks. I want to tell you that's not Bible. In fact, people that believed that way became, around the time of Christ, they were the Gnostics, and they invented a a chain of angels that you had to go through to get up to Jehovah, to Yahweh, and then past him you had a bigger God than that. How many of you know that there is no bigger God than ours? So they invented this chain of command so that God could finally get through layers of holiness to finally get down to us, the nasty ones. And the, that teaching crept back in to the church about the 14th century when they rediscovered the Greek philosophers. And they said, wow, these guys were pretty close. We'll just use some. They were pretty smart. And, and I, tell, I teach science. They're pretty smart. They know about God. They have some things that are just right on the edge. But one of the things they got wrong is that God can't tolerate our nastiness. He's somehow afraid of getting dirty if he deals with us. And most of us have this idea that, I mean, I even get it as a pastor. Somebody says, well, I'm a pastor. I don't even tell people that anymore because most of them go, well, gee, I'm sorry I said that word around you. You know, I was a little open and a little, uh, wow, oh, you're like you're a pastor. Oh, can I go home and change clothes? Can I do this? I, I've heard those words before. You want to know what's worse? I said one of them. Not proud of it. I'm just honest. But 
But God is not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your sin. He's not afraid of the fact that you're made of flesh. What he is afraid of is that you're destroying yourself. You see, God doesn't hate sin because it gets under his fingernails. God hates sin because it hurts you. You're his creation. He created you for something amazing, something awesome. God doesn't hate sin because it makes you too dirty for him. He's not afraid of getting you under his fingernails. In fact, I want to submit to you that Jesus' first priority was not getting you into heaven. Jesus' first priority was getting you into relationship with the Father. And he's not cleaning you up so that you will be so clean that God won't get you under his fingernails anymore. He's cleaning you up so that when you experience the power of God, you won't short circuit. So let's, don't, let's get over the idea that humility is about thinking, I'm nasty. God should never have anything to do with me. But praise God, Jesus likes me even though God doesn't like me much. We get this whole thing about the Old Testament is about mean God that doesn't like people. And the New Testament is about Jesus, and he's happy and huggy and fuzzy and warm. Same guy. Same God. God loves his people. And if you'll really read the Old Testament, you'll really get into the Bible, get all the way through it, and you'll see God's the same. He's always loved his people. He's always been involved. And he's always wanted to... Find a way to be in relationship with his people. And he's always wanted to find a way to expand his kingdom in this world. You see, Jesus didn't come to get us to heaven so much as he came to change the world. And you know how he changed the world? He deeply influenced 12 guys. He marginally touched the lives of 10, 12,000, a million maybe, I don't know, but he, he marginally touched the lives of a lot of people. You know, 4,000, 5,000 on the Sermon on the Mount, plus women and children. So it, I'm going to guess 10 to 12,000 people in those formats. He marginally touched those people. He did basically what I'm trying to do today is in a crowd, touch your life and, and give you something to take away that changes how you live life. Amen. And he did that several occasions. Then he fed them. I am not going to take you to dinner this afternoon. <laughs> That's somebody else's job. It's the body of Christ. <laughs> so you guys start taking care of that, all right? But here's what Jesus came for. He came to change the world, and he did it by forming deep relationship with 12 people. Five and a half years ago, when God called us, well, he, he did it. Seven years ago, he told us, you've got two more years. You're going to transition out of the church. You're going to hand your church over to another man. There was a guy in town that had very similar view and and calling on his life and he had a church about the same size as ours the difference was we had a build paid for building he didn't you know normally you'd say hey come over with us we got a paid for building you hang out with us for a while 
what God led us to do is say, hey, come on over here. Um, here's, your, here's your new building and your new congregation, and you guys come over here, and this is it. And God just called us to hand it over and step back. Okay, Lord, awesome. Now we're going on to bigger and better things. We're going to plant a church in Dallas. Even a big city, you know, bigger city. Everything is a bigger city than Big Spring, okay? <laughs> so we can go to San Angelo. Abilene's already in good hands, so we're going to San Angelo, Lubbock. Mid- Midland's in good hands. Uh, we looked all over the country. We went to Florida to talk to... Pastor Russ and Debbie, see what they had to say about it. We went and talked to Pastor Kevin and Renee in Nashville, and God said, stay where you are. Lord, isn't that going to confuse the folks here? And he just kind of went, well, maybe, but I know two of them that it really did. And the other one's sitting on the front row here. And so... And he said, stay where you are, but God. (laughs) What? We're supposed to be out there changing the world. And within about six months, a job had chased me down. One of the principals at the local high school found out that I had a science certification. He said, I need a science teacher. Come teach. I said, okay, I'll do it half a day. And the next year, the school that I'm currently teaching at where I'm currently teaching, called me and said, we have an opening. Would you like it? And I'd been out there. I loved the little school. It's a little 1A school. And an amazing group of folks. Um, I taught a Bible class out there for about nine years now, and now I'm the physics, anatomy, and physiology, and music history, and Bible, and eighth-grade science topics teacher. I told you it's a small school. <laughs> and throughout that, I am going, okay, Lord, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be out here changing the world, and I'm at this little school that's smaller than Big Spring. And I thought, okay, Big Spring. We, and the Lord showed me every year. He showed me two or three students that are going to make a difference in their, not only their world, but the world. Now, that's not good for my pride thing. That's like, be humble, stay where you are. But let me tell you, there was blessing in that. Because at the same time, I started, when we got out, we went up to Oral Roberts for a weekend and uh, to the school up there. And I wanted to go to Oral Roberts uh, school to get my Master of Divinity degree since I got out of college. I wanted to do that. In fact, I, my first two years in college were at Oral Roberts in Tulsa, and I wanted to go back for, that was 1974, so it's 39 years now that I've wanted to go back. And I said, Lord, I want to go back so bad, but please speak to my wife, because I don't want it to just be me. I'm catching on by that time. If it's just my idea and I try to push it and get my way, it doesn't work out well. How many found that out? Okay. And so I'm at this point where I've got this amazing wife that senses the Lord, knows who he is, 
she's a chaplain, by the way, for hospice, a hospice company. Just an amazing. Um, wins more people to Christ every year than most pastors. It's amazing. And I get to live with her. <clears throat> That's so cool. But I guess let's go on. I asked her, I said, Lord, let her know. Three seconds later, she turns around and says, Honey, I just really feel strongly the Lord is speaking to me. You've got to do this. And of course, we had discussed it. We've talked about what's going on. But she said, You've got to do this. This is time. You've got to do this. And so I could, okay. Here's where we were. We transitioned out of the church, handed it over to the new pastor, and said, we're not, you know, we're not even going to walk back in so that it doesn't confuse the leadership in the house. And sold our house, moved into a little apartment. My oldest son got some of the stuff. My middle son, who's more handy, does stuff. You know, he's, uh, he was kind of my big helper, got all my tools. Um, daughter got house and some you know she she and her husband bought her house and so we are divested of everything moved into a little two bed apart bedroom apartment i have my bride my books and my bicycle <laughs> and god moves us from there to teaching part time to teaching full time to going to school full time and then raises up a group of people that pay for more than half of my tuition and books and travel expenses. Right there. Just stay. Just be humble. Just stay. All the time, I'm just going, ah, ah, come on, where are we going? What are we doing? If this is not good for my self-image, God. I want to be different. I, I want to be out there being moving and shaking and doing all this stuff. And he said, sit down. Be quiet. Let me do some stuff on you. Now, that's not good for my pride. And I've been able to touch more lives than I would have. You see, our congregation topped out at about 200 and it, it was like, you know, some would flow in and flow out. But do you know what? I was getting 200 people, potentially 52 times a year. And how many of you know every, every now and then you take a break? So now I'm going to get you here at 52 times a year on Sunday mornings. And he moved me from that place to where I have 50 to 60 new faces every year, and they have to come see me every day. <laughs> How cool is that? That's amazing. And he put me in a school where the school board says, you be who you are. And we will fight the fight of this junk that's trying to push our kids down the road of secularism. See, that's amazing. Now, it, I have parameters. You can be who you are. You can testify of your life in Christ. I cannot tell children that 
my church will get them saved better than their church. You know why? Because that's not true. Now, people have done that before, and people have had that attitude before, but let me tell you something. Jesus saves different churches don't save. It's always amazing to me how people will say, well, it doesn't matter what you do, you're still saved. Unless you believe the wrong thing that's different than they do. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, but Jesus saves people. And so in the middle of physics class, I can talk about how there's one element, water, that acts differently from every other element. Did you know that water climbs trees? Water is the only thing, substance like it is, that right before it freezes, it expands. Everything else, just when it goes from liquid to solid, it goes smaller, 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 smaller. Water, right before it freezes, it goes, I'm feeling good. (laughs) And do you know if water didn't do that? There would be no people on this planet. You see, God is amazing. And water is a three-part molecule, H2O. (laughs) Atoms are made up of of protons, neutrons, and electrons, three in one. (laughs) There are so many things that are just amazing like that. And water sticks to itself and sticks to other things. And so if you put it in a little thin tube like the little uh, capillaries in the trees and plants, it'll climb. That's how come trees got leaves. (laughs) You see, God is so amazing. And he put me in a place where I can actually do that and touch about 50 or 60 lives. And I was upset. Lord, I want to go plant a new church. I want to do it in a big place so we can do big things and big this and big that. And you just be quiet. Go do what I showed you to do. And I guarantee you'll touch the world. That really gets to what I want to talk about today. And I want to do it very quickly. Several guys talk about this. But Andrew Murray back from a century ago or a little more. The life God bestows is imparted not once for all, but each moment continuously. By the unceasing operation of His mighty power, humility, the place of entire dependence on God, is from the very nature of things the first duty and the highest virtue of the creature and the root of every virtue. Now, if you keyed on humility and went, okay, I've got to think I'm nasty. Oh, listen. Humility, the place of entire dependence on God, is the first duty and the highest virtue of every creature. Dependence on God at every moment. You see, I think that's why God hates this thing about I'm saved, so I don't have to worry about anything. Yes, you, you don't have to worry about anything, but you do need to stay connected with God because that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to just get your nasty old self into heaven and clean you up on the way. And I've heard too many people say, well, I'm nasty here, but I'm going to be clean someday. 
That's, that's missing the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is Jesus came to give you a relationship with God now, an everyday, instant, on, all the time relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where he can speak to you about what you eat, what you do, what, how you do. There's days I walk into the closet and the Lord says, wear this today. Amen. Well, I thought he wanted to do that every day. Walk into the closet one day. Okay, Lord, what do I wear today? Yeah, it's up to you. <laughs> well, Lord, am I... Some days that's true. But you stay open, stay humble. Lord, where are we eating today? Go to Taco Villa today. And when he would be specific like that, you know what would happen? Well, number one, I'd get a taco. <laughs> number two, I would... <laughs> You thought it was going to be spiritual then, didn't you? <laughs> okay, now, here it comes. Number two is the part where it gets spiritual. I run into somebody that I've been needing to talk to, or they've been wanting to talk to me, and we'd have an encounter in the Lord. Andrew Murray said this, and so pride, or the loss of this humility, this one moment-by-moment relationship with the Lord is the root of every sin and evil. You see, that's why the Bible talks about we can quit counting the things of the law. We can quit thinking about this precept and that precept if we can build our relationship with Christ so that it's a moment-by-moment, day-by-day, Every week by week, year by year, experience with the life of God and the Holy Spirit, then we have dealt with the root of sin, which is pride. Everybody knows what happened to Adam and Eve, right? God said, Don't eat that apple. They ate the apple. It's not about fruit, it's about who makes, who calls the shots. And ever since Eve decided she was going to call the shots instead of just believing God, ever since she handed it to Adam and he said, yeah, I think we can call the shots from here. We're pretty smart. You see, the loss of humility is about what I said earlier. I thought I was the smartest person I knew. That's pride. You see, and you may not think that. You may think, I, I talk to my students about that sometimes. I say, how many of you are, you think you're the smartest person you know? Eh, two or three, I will admit it. <laughs> you know, and I already knew who they were. But, <laughs> you know, one of those, it takes one to know one. Um, and I explained to the rest of them, you know what? Most of us are this way. In fact, all of us are this way because who makes the last? Who has the final word? Who has the final say? How often do you find excuses for not listening to others? How often do you find excuses for not listening to those that are in authority in some way? Now, I'm not saying you become a doormat. You become somebody that gets abused and and stepped on and, and walked all over. But I'm saying submission to the Holy Spirit first. You can trust Him. 
You can trust the Holy Spirit to lead you to death. Hebrews chapter 10, 11, 12 talks about those people that some of them did great and mighty things that everybody goes, wow. And some of them died and suffered under the same leading of the same Holy Spirit. Different people ended up differently. But the, the lesson of that is Humility, following God. Your life is what God maps out for you in the Holy Spirit. When the temptation of pride comes knocking, as it will, we must lock the door against it, whatever that takes. But the toughest question is, how do we know? Because usually the knock is very faint and we don't listen for it. The best protection I've discovered is accountability. Since we all have blind spots, We must, as we mentioned earlier, submit ourselves to those who can see the logs floating in our eyes. Most of you have read one of of the books that this guy's written, because it's probably 40 or 50 of them, Max Lucado. That's what Max has to say about pride. John Maxwell, the leadership guru of all this stuff, says this. He says, pride is feeling that you're the only one you can trust. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, wow. That got me. Thinking we have little to learn from others. Or the inclination to believe that everyone is or should be just like you. You see, in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, Judge not, lest you be judged. He wasn't talking about never forming an opinion about someone's actions. He said, for in the same measure you judge, you will be judged. If you judge according to what you are and who you are, you'll be judged according to what someone else is. You see, and we have to to make decisions about things. It's not that we never think, that's not going to work out. That's a negative behavior. That's a bad thing. That's, we can still know good and bad. It's not about not understanding that certain behaviors and certain actions end in death. It's about not thinking that everybody needs to line up with who we are. It's about leaving that open for God. Can I leave you with one more thing? And I'd like for you to see this. get there just the old-fashioned way here turn to Romans 10 17 please Romans 10 17 says this and this is the ESV Romans 10 17 says so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ Let me tell you how God's worked that out in my life. I've read the Bible through. I can't even tell you how many times. Now, last year I didn't make it all the way through, but I normally use the one-year Bible, and I make sure that I've gone through every year. And I didn't last year, but I've, you know, 10, 12 times probably anyway. 
And the more I read the Bible, the more I hear God's voice. And the more I recognize it when it comes. And the more I can tell the difference between His voice and mine. Yeah, because when I was a young Christian, I started devouring the Word. Somebody told me, he said, you memorize the Bible, read the Bible, do Bible, Bible, Bible. And you will become wise and you'll learn to hear the voice of God. And I started learning to hear the voice of God. The only problem I had was that pride would get in there and sometimes I would confuse my voice with his voice. And how do you know the difference? Here's humility, folks. It's not submitting to every person out there. It's not thinking that you're a worm and everybody else has got more on the ball than you do. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit and letting the Word of God fill your life so much that you learn to hear and respond to the Holy Spirit. You learn to hear and respond to God on a moment-by-moment basis on the big things and the little things. And you have some people in your life that are submitted to God, love you, care about you. Not just say it, but people that have demonstrated this over years. And young people, I hate young people. Students, what do you call guys that just, not as old as me people? Uh, listen. Don't submit yourself to someone that doesn't love you. Submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. He'll show you the right places. Submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. Where can you go wrong by listening to and obeying somebody that loves you more than anybody can love you? Knows more than anybody knows and is more powerful than anybody or anything. Where can you go wrong being submitted to someone like that? In that context, it makes no sense to call our own shots. And please, take the word of the poster child for pride. Quit laughing, dear. I say stuff like that, and she goes, Oh, yeah, amen. She thinks those things are funnier than you do because she's waited so long to hear me say them. Take the word of the poster child. It doesn't make any sense to call all your own shots. When you've got someone that loves you more than anybody can love, understands more than anybody can understand, and is more powerful than anybody or anything, You see, when you've got somebody like that telling you what to do, you can have no qualms with where you are and what you're doing because you know, number one, he's behind you. Number two, he's in front of you. Number three, he's around you. And it's all going to work out for the very best that it could. Would you stand with me and let's give praise to that kind of God. 
that loves us more than anybody can love us, that understands more than anybody understands, and that can face any situation because he's more powerful than anything or anybody that can be. Father, we thank you today. We worship you today. We glorify your name because you are the God who loves us. And Lord, I ask today that if there's somebody here that's just going to, wants to make that step, cross the line, and become everything you've called them to be, Lord. Lord, I make that invitation. Come to Jesus. Come to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come to walk in new life in relationship with the God who loves God who is powerful and the God who wants to be intimately involved in our lives. In Jesus' name.